Hello, I'm Cynthia Lett. Before I started Modern Civility with Cynthia Lett, I had another show on the internet called It's Apropos, and this is one of my favorite sessions with Annie Shibata, an expert in business etiquette in Japan. I hope you enjoy it. Hello again, this is It's Apropos, and I'm Cynthia Lett, your host, and today again... We are welcoming back Annie Shibata, who is president of Border Crossings International. Border Crossings International is a consultancy in Rhinebeck, New York, and Annie has 16 years. She just returned back from 16 years in Japan, is fluent in Japanese, and her focus is helping companies dealing with business in Japan and making it go a lot smoother for both sides. Annie, welcome back. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? I'm great today. We're going to continue our previous conversations and pick up on some of the subjects that we didn't have time to talk about before. The first one that is so often asked uh, by my clients is about gift giving. Mm -hmm. And the Japanese culture is so intent on gift giving. And it isn't just the gifts or when or to whom, but also how to wrap them. Mm -hmm. So... Um, let me ask you, can you give us some good broad guidelines and then maybe get a little specific on some of the wrapping paper we should be using? <laughs> okay. Well, as you've pointed out, gift giving is very important um, in the Japanese culture. Uh, it's a sign of goodwill, and as we've talked about before, because the relationship between two companies and people within companies is so important. It's very, um, it's, it's a priority to make sure that you're um, following the gift-giving custom, especially if you're going to Japan. Um, if you are uh, giving a gift to the Japanese, a small gift from your home state or local area is really appropriate. If you have a local craftsman or artisan that makes little pottery things or if you come from an area where, where there's a, uh, something, uh, it doesn't have to be an expensive gift, just something that shows uh, it's from your local area Japanese people like that because in Japan, each area has its own specialty that they're known for, that people, when they go there, they always bring back those gifts, either a certain food item or a certain kind of um, thing. Like if you're going from the Pacific Northwest, you might want to bring a little smoked salmon, um, someone... Uh, or a totem of, pole. Right, or a totem <laughs> pole. Um, we had some clients here in Sugar, near Sugarloaf, New York, and there was a local craftsman who made little pottery candle holders that we gave to the Japanese as gifts, which they really liked. One thing that's very important is that should o- it should always be wrapped. Packaging is very important. It's just as much as much a part of the gift as what's inside, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Do not give an unwrapped gift to the Japanese because they'll be confused. They won't know. It won't really seem like a gift if it's not wrapped. Um, I hear that the Japanese do not appreciate paper ribbon. Um, is that true? I've never heard that they, although, with, especially with business gifts, they don't really have ribbons on them usually, or it, or it will be a very simple um, ribbon, but not bows. Don't put a bunch of bows and things like that on them. Um, don't use white paper because what? that's for funerals. Okay. Or black paper or loud colors. They should be subdued colors, um, preferably dark or, or um, beige or you know, just muted colors, not like bright red or... Earth tones. Yeah, earth tones are good. Um, if you're giving gifts, 
Um, you'll notice when you, if you go to Japan that if you buy a set of glasses or a set of plates or something, they're never in sets of four. They're always in sets of three or five, usually five, because four uh, sounds like death in Japanese. Four, the, the, the word four. The word four is she, which means also can be read as death. So there are oh. no, for example, um, rooms in a hospital that are number four. Just like we don't like to use 13 right. in the elevator, it's four in Japan. So don't give gifts in sets of four. And to whom would you give the gift? If you're going to meet with a team, Mm-hmm. Your team is going to meet with a team within a, a company. Who well, gets the gift and well, who does the giving? This is the thing. A lot of times you won't know how many people are going to be on the other side. So what you can do is bring, you know, four or five small gifts from your company with your company logo on them, like brand name items, little pens or um, little bottles of brand name liquors or beef jerky or other corporate gifts, whatever. And you can put them in a bag, but make sure they're all wrapped. And you can give them to someone from the other side and say, these are some gifts for people in your company. And they'll decide who it's appropriate to give them to. Unless you know who you're going to be meeting with, you're going to be meeting with, you know, Mr. So-and-so and and Mr. So-and-so, and and then you can just bring two gifts for them. Uh, But if you don't know, bring, I would say bring five and put them in a bag and hand them to the person and ask them to distribute it. Don't expect the people to open the gifts in front of you. They normally don't in Japan, unless it's a very westernized company that's used to dealing with Westerners because they know that Westerners open gifts in front of people. And if you receive a gift, unless they say to you, oh, open it now, um, you should just tuck it away and open it later. And if you do open the gift in front of your Japanese host, and if they open it in front of you, you watch the Japanese side, they open it very carefully without ripping the wrapping paper. I've always wanted to know how to do that. They (laughs) open it up. Yes, it's hard. They open it up and they... They slide it out and they'll look at it, then they'll rewrap it to take it home. That's why, you know, you don't want to appear like, you know, Americans just start ripping the wrapping paper off. You don't (laughs) want to do that because it looks very ghost. Um, I I had a hard time getting used to that because I thought that ripping the wrapping paper off when when you're getting a gift kind of shows your excitement. Exactly. Right, but not not to Japan and certainly not in a business situation. So you should unwrap it very carefully if you're told to open it. And, um, you know, kind of ooh and ah over it a little bit and say thank you and then put it away. And, and if you give your gifts to people and they open it elsewhere, they may not even mention it later. You so know, you they, don't expect a thank you note? No, not a thank you note. They don't write thank you notes in Japan. The person who receives it from you will say thank you. And their gift giving back to you is the, re- the reciprocal. That's really the thank you. That's and that's why you, you should always reciprocate in Japan because things are based on duty an obligation, and if someone gives you a gift now, you're in their debt. There's almost like a mental tally going on, and that's why Japanese are always very careful to balance their ledgers, you know, the, the mental ledgers that are going on. What about putting a card with it? Do you uh Not you usually. Ask? Okay. People, no, they don't usually use cards. Cards are not very common in Japan, so you don't need to give a card. Now, would a company give a company a gift? Sometimes they do, and if you're going to do that, what's appropriate are uh, usually things that they can display, uh, something that has a little um, engraved plaque on it that says um, to our from friends. so-and-so to, you know, from X company to Y company and the date. Okay. Um, one of the Japanese companies I worked for recently had a 40th anniversary, and I gave them a, a, a very nice clock that I had um, an engraved plate put on from to them, uh, you know, congratulating them on their 40th anniversary, 
And I know that that's hanging up in the company showcase along with the other gifts that they've received from other companies. We do have to make sure that whatever gift we give is made in the United States, if it's coming from the United States, yes, right? Yes, it should be. Some well, of the biggest embarrassments that I've heard of have been from American companies who've given something made in Hong Kong uh, <laughs> or made in China or even made in Japan. Well, uh, the, actually, though, the um, I would say the exception to that rule is if you're giving something that's very classy, like Lalique crystal, or you're giving somebody some Royal Dalton China, a piece of China, you know, something from your company to them. In those cases, if it's a very well-known, um, high-quality item, it doesn't necessarily have to be from your country, but it probably should be. If you can find, I mean, we have plenty of well-made items here in the U.S. that have if you're going to glass, get, right. yes, you, should, you should think of something like that, yes. And keeping your logo discreet, I hear, is, is the way to go with that as well. Yes, especially if you're giving a large, expensive gift. If you're giving pens or something like that, then it's okay. Um, if you're giving, but even if you're giving like shirts with your company logo on, make sure they're wrapped because I read one somewhere where um, an American company had given T-shirts to the Japanese side, and like they had four or five of them. And and remember, don't give four; try to give five. Right. Um, but they'd given them, and because they weren't wrapped, the Japanese side thought that they were like a uniform that they were supposed to wear. The Japanese had come to the U.S. <laughs> And they came back later and said, do you have any more of those T-shirts? We didn't have enough for everyone. Oh, they didn't no. realize that they had just been a gift because they had been unwrapped. That was the, oh. the story. So you need to wrap them so they understand that, that it's a gift. That's a great story. Mm. With the gift, uh, after we've given the gift mm-hmm. and we have reciprocated and that type of thing, do you give it once or is this something that we continue to give each time we go. Oh, it's usually uh, it's usually a continuous thing, and it's usually, like I said, a little something, unless it's a special occasion on the Japanese side for their anniversary or something like that. It should be a small thing, but you should always bring a little something when you go, because to arrive somewhere empty-handed in Japan is is usually not done. Some of the larger corporations. Um, don't give a, don't worry as much about gift giving. Like some of the larger companies don't do end of the year gifts anymore. They used to, but it got too expensive because uh, Japanese companies always sent um, an end of the year gift to all of the people that they were involved in, and that got too costly. But especially if you're coming from a foreign country, um, they'll want to treat you as an extra special guest and, guest, and they will probably always give you a small gift. I was at a trade show recently with a uh, person from who was the director of a marketing company, and I was telling her about my business, and I was asking her about her company and if they ever had any difficulties with their Japanese clients because no one on their side spoke Japanese. And she said, oh, no, no, we, we have no trouble at all. We go over there, and we don't have any kind of problems. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And then a little while later, she came back to me and said, um, I did want to ask you a question. We've gotten gifts many times from the Japanese side. Are we supposed to give them gifts back? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you know. Every time people say that they're, they're getting along swimmingly with, with, with absolutely no problems with people who are culturally different than them, I always wonder. <laughs> I always happening. wonder, too. What are they doing wrong? Exactly, that they don't realize, you know. Is music a good choice? Um, you mean like a CD? A CD. Yes, you could. Um. How about picture books? Picture books are nice, especially if they're of your home state or, you know, your local area. Again, those kinds of gifts are, are very nice. When I have clients that come from uh, Asia and 
they always bring me a little something, usually a magnet or something that's handmade that shows their cultures to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they appreciate more than anything, it seems, is a picture book of Washington, mm-hmm. since we're here in Washington, yes. D.C. that's good. And Great they get gift. to take that back, and they, they have always had a chance to take a quick tour around and say, oh, I saw that, or mm-hmm. I saw that, and they get to make marks on it, and it's something very fun to watch mm-hmm. them get excited about. So I, I like to use picture books, and I like to use music. If we have uh, shared a concert together, mm-hmm. I will often give them a CD of whatever we listen to. That's a great idea. Uh, that seems to go over very well for them as well. Mm-hmm. And if there's something that's typically American, they like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. If, tell me, let's just change our, our focus a little bit, and we're still talking about our relationships with people, and, and on a one-to-one basis, the Japanese have a different sense of proximity in space than Americans do. Yes. Talk about that with me for a moment. Well, Japanese, actually, as far as the, the actual distance they stand from people when they're talking, um, it's about the same as Americans, maybe just a little bit more. They leave a little bit more space, of course, because they're bowing, so you need a little more space to bow. Um, Are we bowing back? You can. Uh, you don't have to. They don't expect you to know how to bow. Bowing is, is a very precise art in Japan. And when you go into a company, when you're a new person in a company, you are trained how to bow. Really? How many degrees, depending on the situation. Yes, and the person in the lower position always bows lower and longer than the person who is in the superior position. Well, that shows the respect for the person in the superior position. Right. The longer so, the bow... The longer, the, the more respect. That's right. And when you're bowing, of course, you're looking down. You're not looking at the person that you're bowing to. Right. You have to have your eyes down. But Do we Japanese... Cu- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, gonna, I was going to ask about touching the knees. I've seen that. Right. They usually, when they bow, they'll put their hands on, their, on the front of their thighs mm-hmm. and bow or at their sides and bow. Um, they don't do it like they're taking a bow on Broadway by putting their hand on their stomach and bowing. <laughs> but, um, yes, bowing is very important. But since most people who are coming, uh, you know, from the U.S. or another, well, from the U.S. to Japan are used to shaking hands, the Japanese will shake hands. However, um, sometimes they're inexperienced. When I lived in Japan, I taught communication classes, and I always taught handshaking as part of it. And people were surprised in Japan when I pointed out that Americans will often judge someone on their handshake. Your handshake should be just, just firm enough. It shouldn't be too weak. It shouldn't be too strong. You know, it shouldn't be a sweaty palm or a dead fish sort of handshake. And my Japanese students were always fascinated by this, that this was a form of actual communication and just like their bowing is. Um, I've shaken hands with Japanese people who do not grasp your hand because they don't know they're supposed to grasp it, so it, right. it feels like a weak handshake. Or I've also had people shake my hands where they've shaken it so vigorously and so enthusiastically that they're practically shaking my arm off. The pumper. We right, call the that pumper, the pumper. The pumper. And they're pumping again, and they don't know when to stop because they're not used to shaking hands. So that will occasionally happen. Um, but in general, the Japanese do not touch people when they're talking. Um, young girls will touch each other when, you know, um, 
especially like uh, high school girls or junior high school girls, or even college-age girls will, will hold hands when they're walking. Sometimes you'll see two girls walking and holding hands. And that's a sign of friendship. That's a sign of friendship in right. a lot of Asian countries. And in some Asian countries, you'll even see men doing that. I've, I've seen that in Hong Kong. I didn't see that in um, Japan all the time that I lived there. But in some Asian con- countries, that's common. But um, in general, they maintain a certain space when they're talking to people, especially people they don't know well. So if you're you know, doing business, of course, you're not going to be getting close and, and tapping people and touching people because it's, it's not considered proper. And the, uh, the head is considered to be a revered part of the body. Mm. In some Asian cultures, not necessarily in Japan, though. I know in some, in some Asian cultures you're not allowed to touch a person on the head, especially like in Thailand. Right. Um, it's the seat of the soul. But in Japan, it's not rude. Well, I mean, they don't, they, don't, they don't touch, but there's no special thing um, involved with the head. One interesting thing, though, is when Japanese refer to themselves, they'll touch their own nose when they, when they say me, whereas Americans will usually use their thumb or their forefinger and point to their chest. Japanese will use their forefinger and touch their nose when they're referring to themselves. Are there any other gestures that we need as Americans to be aware of that are considered rude if we give them to Japanese people? Uh, yes. Actually, I remember once I shocked um, a Japanese friend. You know how we do this little thing in, with children in America? I'm going to get your nose, and we go and we grab their yes. nose, and then we stick our thumbs through the two fingers? Yes. That's uh, a sexually obscene gesture in Japan, <laughs> and I found Uh-oh. that out the hard way. <laughs> yes. Uh-oh. yes. Um, so don't do that. Um, also, they'll use the, the the signs that that looks like they're saying okay right. to mean money oh. when they're referring to money. You know, if they'll if they'll say I have no money, they'll give you the okay sign. They're referring to that that means money. That's interesting so, too. And and when a when a Japanese person was there talking about uh, their lover, um, they'll hold up their pinky. A Japanese man, if he holds up his pinky, he's referring to his lover. They won't be doing that they, in business, They won't though. be doing that in business, no. <laughs> are there any rules that are different between the sexes in Japan as far as their gestures or their, their negotiating patterns or anything that is sexually um, divisive? Yeah, well, everything is very different in Japan. Um, they have very uh, strict gender roles compared to the United States, and even their language is very different. The language that a woman uses in Japan and the language that a man uses in Japan are different. Even in business? Even in business, yes. Um, because just the language itself is, um, for example, Japanese women at the end of a, of a sentence will say, wa. Uh, that's kind of a softening of the sentence whereas Japanese men don't. Um, the way they refer to themselves, in, in English it's always I, but in Japan the I depends on who you're talking to, how polite you need to be, and whether you're a man or a woman. There can be several forms of the, um, the pronoun I. So um, it's very different. Women, um, for example, one thing, men will sit with their legs um, slightly spread. Women always keep their legs very close together, uh, they're taught that from, from a young age as young girls, and they don't, in general, they don't cross their legs. Although, I was at a company here in the U.S. where uh, some Japanese people came from a company in New York, and a Japanese woman was with them, and she crossed her legs, and I was so shocked because I'd never seen that in Japan. And I thought, well, obviously, this Japanese woman is very westernized because 
you won't see that very often in Japan. It's seen as um, as not not very uh, not very well bred thing to do to cross your legs. I've only seen that with women who have been educated in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they've been through their four years of college and they just changed their tune. Right. While they were here. Right. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, American companies who are entertaining Japanese to be aware of is um, I heard an interesting story about uh, an American company that had a, a dinner and on all of the tables, centerpieces, they had these beautiful arrangements, and some of them included white chrysanthemums. Now, white chrysanthemums are only used at funerals in Japan, so don't ever use white chrysanthemums as uh, part of a table centerpiece when you're entertaining Japanese guests because it's considered unlucky. Well, Annie, this has been really terrific. We've learned a lot about relationships and dealing with the Japanese culture and the differences uh, for Americans they need to be cognizant of and they need to do their research. And all of this information, I think, is going to help all of our listeners when they are planning their next negotiation with the Japanese market. Great. And if they have any trouble, they should call me. And that's what I'm going to tell them. Uh, Annie Shibata is president of Border Crossings International in Rhinebeck, New York. Her phone number is 914-876-0758, and she can be reached by email at bci at bestweb, B-E-S-T-W-E-B, dot net. Annie, thanks a lot, thanks, and Cynthia. I look Always forward to talking to you again. Me too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.